0: welcome to mixed reviews with allison and aubrey this is a black film review podcast by two mixed-race sisters and we're catching up on the culture The cutest thing in the world. <laughs> that was probably one of the best parts of the whole movie. It was. It was so fucking cute. Yeah, I was like, it oh man. Cry. Yeah. Damn. Okay, let's get there into were, first. There thoughts. were two, okay. uh, two tear parts. I mean, I didn't cry, cry, but like the eyes, the eyes. Going. Oh, girl. Within the first thirty minutes, I was bawling. <laughs> like, bawling. I could not. I mean, I, I, guess we're, I guess we're not saying hello. We're just hopping Sorry. right into it. We, <laughs> Allison just watched it, so we're It's all fresh. <laughs> it is real fresh, but welcome to Mixed Reviews. We're glad you're here. Um, the film we're doing is The Color Purple. Welcome. Um, welcome to The Color Purple. A long movie, so we won't be... Uh, dilly-dallying today as much, I, I guess. Yeah, not dilly-dallying. I guess let me just get through some of the stats, I guess, real quick. Of course. So, welcome. Uh, and so we're doing The Color Purple, directed by Steven Spielberg, which is going to be a hot topic today. <laughs> uh, written by Alice Walker, and I I just said the screenplay was a white guy. <laughs> Alice Walker and I white didn't... guy screenplay. <laughs> which you were... <laughs> Why do you do pick out my because it rhymed <laughs> white guy <laughs> <clean body. laughs> Yeah, just um, yeah. I have thoughts on that. We'll get back to that. So, starring Whoopi Goldberg, Danny Glover, and Oprah. Those were the three most famous people to me. So that's what I talked about. Okay. So, um, this was nominated for eleven different Academy Awards and won nothing. The fuck, won it nothing. It didn't win any of them out of eleven. Nope, it... For a for a Spielberg film, like I wonder, I wonder why. Oh, um, well, doesn't Spielberg actually have quite a few films that get nominated for shit, but then don't win anything? That kind of happens to him a lot, doesn't it? Probably. I mean, so yeah. Um, Spielberg. I remember I watched an interview with him once that was like, you know, I've done a lot of sort of kiddie movies, you know, like. Jaws is like a fun movie you know Mm -hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark is fun Jurassic Park fun and this was really his first step into like I want to be a serious director you know Mm (laughs) like um and so this was and I feel like sometimes he still gets sort of surrounded by this sort of kiddish or like fun blockbuster film idea because the, you know, the Academy Award fucking hates blockbusters Yes. for some fucking reason yeah. um, but uh, okay so th- this film was nominated for like I said 11 it was Best Picture Leading Actress Whoopi Goldberg Supporting Actress Margaret Avery who plays Suge Avery uh, Supporting Actress o- uh, Oprah Winfrey uh, Screenwriting Cinematography, Art Direction Costume, Music, Original Song and Makeup they took up two supporting actress spots, and both those bitches didn't win nothing. <laughs> you know, that makes me real nervous for this year. I mean, this was, this was what, 87? Was that the year of this movie? Oh, was it? Was it that long? I don't know. I thought I'd remembered reading 87, but I could be, like, pulling that number out of my ass. Let me just triple check here. I have it right here. It's 85. 85. It's even earlier. Oh, Damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was a 90s film, but yeah, glad we glad we checked that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um because it said introducing Whoopi Goldberg, so I was like, okay, this is old. <laughs> yeah, cuz she didn't win for this, but she did win for um Ghost, right? Yeah. She's one of the few black women to win. I think she um, an Academy for Ghost, Award, which I'm thinking of her role in Ghost, and it's not adding up to me. Yeah, she won for Ghost in 1990. That sounds like a sorry We should have given it to then. What did she do in Ghost besides be kind of like the mystical black woman stereotype? That's exactly what she was. That's that's literally what she was. So (laughs) uh, I don't know, but I mean, black women only get Academy Awards for playing stereotypes. True, yeah. So not not surprising, but it sounds like her nineteen ninety five one for. Ghost was like a sorry. We probably shouldn't have given it to you back then. Oh, sorry, my bad. We didn't know if you were gonna stick around or not. <laughs> yeah, really frustrating. Um, but yeah, there's um. Uh, this uh had a budget of 15 million, made 98 million dollars. Fuck. Yeah, big. That's a profit, success. right there. <laughs> that's that's a profit. That's that's a lot of white people going to this movie. A lot of why people went to go see this fucking film. Mm. Um, okay, so, Whew Okay, let's let's get into it, shall let's we? Get into <laughs> it. What are do you have some uh, some first thoughts before we dive in? I guess to the plot. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean no? <laughs> um, I mean, like I said, it is uh, it is an emotional journey. <laughs> going through it um, I was especially looking over because I remember you had said that like the NAACP was not about this movie because it made black men look bad obviously because I don't think there's one good black man in this movie besides maybe like Shug's random husband at the end who doesn't do much but just be there <laughs> so and help them yeah. just like go so I was like um, the fact that That's what the NAACP was mad about. Instead of all the other things you could be upset about with this (laughs) (laughs) film. I was like, wow. Yeah, I feel like the biggest issue is like, you know, we're, we're a black film review podcast. And so I feel like the number one question here is like, is this black cinema? If it's screenplay is written by a white man and then it's directed by a white man. Because the book by Alice Walker is... You know, black literature classic. Um, have you read it? I have not, which I really wish I had. Um, I really wish I had beforehand, um, because this is clearly a black film through an extremely white lens. Um, this is not a black lens. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like through like this, there's there's a lot of whiteness. In this uh, direction, in these decisions, in these characters, um, you know, it's, it's like, it's like, I, uh, I, I would, you know, put it in the category of being in black film. And I, I think it's important to understand that this is 1985, no black director in 1985 was getting a $15 million budget. Especially for this story, which was written by a black woman, so... I think exactly. that's also important Just, to keep in mind, is that it was orig- like, the source material is not coming from a white person. <laughs> yeah, which you can... I mean, even Do the Right Thing with Spike Lee, that's 1989. And what was that budget? That was a budget $6.5 million, And that was a huge budget for a black director. Huge. Um... Um, so it, I think while I'm going to critique the fuck out of this movie right now, it's also important to know that this was a step to getting more black stories into Hollywood. Um, and I think that it, that, that is important. I think it's extremely important, uh, to be pushing for black films in Hollywood um, as problematic as that is um, the issue of representation um, making these interventions into the film industry and getting these sort of stories on a larger scale are important Um, but it's also on the other hand I, I see what the NAACP is saying a little bit um, with this worry that a lot of white people are going to see this and you did not handle this with the level of subtlety that you would have needed in order for these special, I mean, i really felt like all these characters um, to feel like very real multidimensional people. They, it felt very one dimensional to me. A lot of these characters and when you're talking about abuse and violence and incest, that's a problem that's a serious problem uh, <laughs> so um yeah, I yeah, we about to critique the fuck out of this movie, <laughs> but but um i but I just want to put it out there that I th- again think this it was worth it being made as a step to other shit, you know like. <laughs> So, I do not think this film would ever have been made if a, if someone like unless someone like Steven Spielberg who was extremely well known knew that they could rake in dollars um was was going to direct it. So, open to two sisters playing in a field of lilacs purple flowers uh there's its beauty it's grace it's like really pretty cute okay um they they look like they're around like what 13 14 something like that at the most oh yeah uh i know celie's 14 she's 14 For sure. okay um then their dad comes up tells them dinner's ready and Celie who is the oldest the 14 year old um he tells her she has an ugly ass smile which is rude and then immediately we cut to a labor scene so Cecil (laughs) Celie is given birth um in their house screaming gives birth to a girl and her sister's name is Nettie. Nettie and Nettie's basically delivering this child she it's a little girl immediately though the father takes the baby, walks out the door. is sad, obviously that was her baby, so next mother's funerals <laughs> it's just a really it's rough a really opening, man. rough life for Seely, okay it's just yeah, yeah, we're carrying really the mother's is. uh her uh coffin uh we get Celie's first like narration, she's explaining that she's had two children from her father. So far. Yeah. Um, So clearly there's some incestual abuse going on. Um, Then Mm -hmm. we go, the father is marrying another young girl, though, um, Mm -hmm. who's not much older than her. And this is also when we first, at this wedding, is when we first meet the character, I just call him Sir the whole time, because that is how Celie refers to him. Albert. Albert, Sir. Yeah. Interchangeable. So... Yeah. Uh, they explain that Sir is always staring at Nettie, wants Nettie, but he. This man looks like he's you know, mid to late thirties, <laughs> maybe yeah mid thirties. So creepy. Um, and this guy, this is not, this is not the same actor that plays older version of him. Is right, Danny Glover. Yeah, yeah. That he's the he's same the Albert same all the, way, the through. Whole way through. Dang, they went. No wonder that won for makeup then because. <laughs> Yeah, He does very much look really. kind of – he looks very different here because he's supposed to be, you know, younger here. He looks so young. He looks so young. Yeah. yeah, and absolutely terrifying, by the way, the way that he stares at Betty. <laughs> oh, my God. That was the thing that was really striking to me about this – about his performance is how frightening he was, um, especially because I really think of Danny Glover as, like, dream girls yeah. and like i don't know kind of fatherly exactly. i mean he plays the president mm-hmm. in which movie is that 2012 <laughs> <laughs> i just watched 2012 I just, who would have thought we watch talk about 2012 <laughs> during the, yeah. the color I, I really just think of him as like fatherly good yes man and then in this i was like actually terrified like jibbies. i would um like I always, I always think of when it comes to characters like this, I think of the Lovely Bones and how uh, Tucci yeah. did that. Th- I think he color purple. This guy scarier than Tucci, absolutely. Like, especially the one scene with the books. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah, like that. Just know this man is another level creep. The way he smiles, like you, if you're a woman, oh you know it. Okay, <laughs> so just saying. It's terrifying. Too too real, really? too real. Uh, um, yeah. So later, like this guy, this yeah, field. this guy, this guy comes on horseback to uh, their house and is like, "I want Nettie's hand in marriage because my wife is dead and I need someone to like raise my three kids and clean the house." Um, so he's like, "Please sell me your daughter as a slave." Is really what he's asking here. L- literally, what's That's happening? Literally. Yeah. Um, the dad's like, "No." Um, Nettie's too young and clearly like and the way he describes it's like clearly he wants Nettie to like to abuse um to add yeah he's like, but assault. you can't have Celie she's ugly and take her away from me um so he does <laughs> takes her yeah. makes her walk behind him while he's on horseback in the snow on the way to his house um the house is in shambles Introduces her to the three kids as their new mammy, and the kids are like running amok. They're crazy, and that n- they th- they throw a rock at her head, and she like yeah. falls down and starts throw bleeding. A whole ass rock at her head leaves like a bloody handprint on the rock that, which was very striking. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> looks like that. What to me we just felt. This is this. This is the thing with Spielberg. It was this kind of stuff that I was like. Spielberg is not subtle at all. And this is a movie that needs nuance, care, and subtlety. This is a man who made Indiana Jones. Like, <laughs> like, like this Blood on the Rock, even the handprint, which is such a perfect handprint, that I was like, okay. Yeah, that like, was like Disney perfect Pocahontas exactly. type thing. Exactly. Like, there's just no, like, grit and subtlety. It was just, like, the whole vibe of this movie was honestly just really off for me um, mm-hmm. for like what we're talking about versus like the bounciness. So after she cleans up the house, cause it looks, it's literally like a hoarder, horrible house. If you've ever seen that show, um, he rapes her that night next to this. And on the bedstand is is the image of this, you know, beautiful black woman, just like, smiling and she's like huh who the fuck is that yeah and um one thing that I'll just say real quick that stood out to me in this sort of opening welcome to your prison um <laughs> yeah. scene um was that they have her cleaning you know really putting everything in order and then the first thing Albert does is sort of walk in and just shove his dirty boots on the right. table he did it like like Gaston does it like the like that the, it was like the exact same framing <laughs> Exactly. It was so cartoony and that's the issue for me is like this very focus on like ooh what a bad man he he doesn't appreciate the cleaning. I'm just like we just saw her saw him rape her. Yeah. There's no lingering on her face. There's no like there's no pause. There's no like serious gravitas of what that is. It was almost like it was given the same level of like um importance as the cleaning and him not appreciating it. I was like, those are not the same thing. And you just sort of putting them back to back like this and then having this very... Gest- that's exactly what it was. Gastonish yeah. Disney... Like, I'm he's a bad, a bad dude, dude. Was like, this is not the vibe. This is just not the tone that is appropriate for this film. Um, and and for these topics. Right. Um, that was not that I was like, okay, I need to buckle up because I'm about to see a lot of whiteness. That was the first thing that I was like, wow, what a white ass thing to do that like, and even like, again, which is why intersectionality is so important. That This is just a white man decision. is like, oh, this is just a bad. I'm like, it, <laughs> it, it it, really told me to buckle up for the rest of this film. Right. So Celia is uh, trying to work on these children's hair, which apparently it hasn't been combed since their mother died whoever knows how the fuck long that was um which means that i don't know why she was cut off okay yeah <laughs> honestly i don't know why she was brushing her hair like this though i was like yeah, that didn't look real. why are you just ripping from the roof yeah. girl like that's how you do it. <laughs> like, while it's dry <laughs> i was like girl yeah what? i was like none none of this makes any fucking sense that is again a white man looking at it and being like i don't know <laughs> how to do <laughs> I was like, why wouldn't you ask your actresses to be like, how do you do this? Like, I mean, I, don't... I guess if it's locked up, then you would kind of pick it out dry first. I've seen women do that, but the way she was doing it still But looked... you would do it from the ends first and not from yeah, the. Yeah, not from the top. Brute. I was like, crazy. what are you doing? <laughs> and the child is hollering, and uh, when Celie sort of snaps back at. Not even really snaps back, just talks back to. Um, Uh, Albert that, you know, she's in pain because you'll have have to take care of your children. Uh, He slaps her across the face, and that's the first time that we see, like, how the beating is going to be working in this film. Um, So, then we have this scene where Celie is at the, like, corner store, uh, and then she sees who she believes is her child because her two children were taken from her at birth as we've sort of said that was set up in the first scene the uh, couple that I get the children were sold to is a preacher family Um, and she just sort of holds the baby for a minute before um, the mother walks off with her Um, and then Nettie comes to visit um, Seeley for a little bit but then decides I'm just going to stay here they're like, great. Um <laughs> you know, it's it's good to have someone in your life that actually. She's brings like you trying fucking to escape the dad. She was like, The dad was all over me, like I gotta I gotta get the fuck yeah. out of here. And she's like, I'm never going back. Um Nettie starts teaching Celie how to read. Uh, which is good. And I don't know, they just have this really sweet sort of sister moment and Nettie's sort of making fun of Albert it's 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 a good scene um yeah, I liked that I liked that they did have moments of joy between Nettie and uh Celie to like really they did build the bond well I felt like in this movie with the little time that they had together before I agree. They get separated um, you could feel the love you could feel that she felt loved and they were the ones that were going to be able to care for each other yeah um so yeah and it was an interesting decision that there's so much focus on shadows oh yeah yeah that was interesting I was like hmm, I wonder what you're I don't know sure. I'll think about that analysis as we go through this I guess <laughs> but um yeah, I wonder what they're trying to say that. that's that's what I'm wondering I'm like huh okay um so as we said Donald Glover is terrifying in this film. Nettie's on her way to school. Oh God. And Albert is on a horse, sort of, like, jokingly following her. And you can tell it's immediately a problem. Like, the way they did set this up was... It was so... Scary. F- frightening. Yeah. It was really Even scary. Even with his, like, juxtaposition of him, like, smiling and laughing as he's following her clearly she's terrified in her eyes cuz she knows exactly why he's following her the audience knows why he's following her which makes it even scarier that he's just smiling and laughing while he's riding his happy little horse through the pretty woods and she's wearing this beautiful dress like it looks like visually like it'd be such a pretty scene but then like what's happening is so terrifying that you're just like feel sick to your st- comic watching it it honestly made me the way that his movements were really that so joking and like it really reminded me of like minstrelsy mm. and how creepy minstrel figures actually are Yeah, and um honestly have you watched the new them film or show no there's a minstrel character in there that's supposed to be scary oh, jesus Christ. like is a very scary figure. Oh my God. And it reminded me of that, honestly, of just like how, how scary that shit actually looks. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So um, he sort of pulls her into the woods and she's screaming for him to stop and she ends up fighting back mm-hmm. um, and sort of gets away in this moment. But his retaliation to being rejected like that is basically like, you need to get out of here. And he throws Nettie out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um This was the part where I just bawled the entire time. Yeah, the part that I started tearing up was, like, not even while he's, like, dramatically dragging her out, literally dragging her out of the house. But it's when yeah. um she's finally, like, walking on her own, like, down the road. And Celie's watching and crying. And they start doing that... um they, like we're doing this hand thing before like the hand, those, clap yeah, hand clapping games before and so she's doing it as she walks away slowly crying and then the tune of it is very like sad obviously and Seely yeah. um, asks her like to write and like write to her and then Nettie's like nothing but death can keep me from it! Nothing but death can keep me from it! And that I was, was like "That was Jesus Christ! this scene was too much i was like this is but i i mean this is i wasn't even like tearing up i was like (laughs) Like, okay aubrey was tearing up allison was dying (laughs) yeah if if aubrey's tearing up that means i'm on the floor i've become a puddle (laughs) and i'm dead like i i could not handle it that was really the only part that really killed me but I, i i will say i have a soft spot for sisters being torn <laughs> apart, like, like, this, what a surprising, you know, thing that that would affect me. But yeah. like, um yeah, like I'm the same. I can't, I can't even watch Lilo and Stitch without being like, like oh the, yeah, is it, taking apart the sisters. I'm just like, yeah, that is so hard. Yeah, I can't handle that. I can't handle, I can't handle that. So this this scene really did me in for a minute. I was like, all right, I'm gonna pause that right there and <laughs> go get some water, go take a break <laughs> from that. Yeah, that was, it was a lot. So, um, Celie, uh, so I don't know how much time has passed. A little bit of time has passed. And, um, Albert demands that Celie shaves her. Um, shaves her? Sorry, shaves <laughs> him. I'm so sorry. So, uh, she has, like, a razor. And, um, it's definitely sort of building up that tension of, like, you could just kill him. Yeah. It was like, he's, he's I- being real comfortable with you right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I mean he does sort of frighten her and was like if you uh, scratch me I'll kill you yeah so Which, and you know, she's there's... like 14 15 right now so it's like yeah. exactly <laughs> so um, he gets real hyped about the mail though when it comes by um, runs to the mail and gets uh, and is looking for a letter pro- from who we assume is the woman in the picture next to the bedstand. Um or on the bedstand. and um, then he yells at Celie to never touch the mailbox and that he's set it up so that he'll know if she was tampering with it, which, you know, probably a lie, but it's like, you tell that lie to a child and they're just going to like, that is law. So, and that's the thing is that this, this person is a child. This person is a child. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, it's just disgusting. So, um, yeah, years later, um, you know, Celia now basically has complete control over this home and, like, is, you know, make make sure that the home is basically functioning. uh, Celie, uh or um, Albert is getting really hyped and getting really ready to go see um, who we learn their name is Suge um, Avery. Uh, He's running around trying to get different clothes on and he's she's it was it was this kind of stuff that I was like, what is this weird comedy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This was unsettling because so basically uh, she has this she has his routines like down to a science at this point because he relies on her for absolutely everything. Everything. So he's like, where's my socks? Here are the socks. Where are my cufflinks? Here are the cufflinks. Oh, man, this tie's not working. Here's the tie you actually want. Like that kind of shit um and but the thing is i think it's these moments are supposed to be comedic yeah which is also like this would be comedic if she wasn't being if she wasn't a slave like, exactly if this was your wife wife like because we've seen this a million yeah, we times have like, this also. isn't this this is the same thing with like you'd see and leave it to beaver you know and, and the wife's just like oh honey and you try to put this in this space i'm just like what is the tone of this film like I just or like who is sir like who is Albert like am I how am I supposed to feel about this man you just showed me the most terrifying almost rape scene in my life and now you want me to think he's a goofy guy because he can't find his shit and he's going out the door with his shoes barely on like (laughs) and that that was the part that was the other issue with Albert as a character and really with most of the characters is that it's it seemed very one dimensional in this sort of like oh well He's violent, but he's also a dummy. Like, he's completely dumb and incapable and um, a goof and someone to laugh at. And um, I was just like, this... I can't laugh at a man like this. <laughs> exactly. I was just like, you know, think about 12 Years a Slave and, you know, as... Intense and traumatic as that film is, I don't think everyone should see that film because it's a lot. But that was really given the gravity of the situation. Like, really trying to, even with like Michael Fassbender, who's like the slave owner, they, it's not like they were trying to humanize him in a way that you feel sorry for him. Like, he did have moments of like, he wasn't, it wasn't every day being that crazy dude. He did have moments where he's, like, being vulnerable. But it's also being vulnerable in still a very sick and twisted way. So you're not, in the way that they frame it, you're still not feeling bad for this motherfucker. Or you're not You're, you're not and trying I don't to think, laugh I don't think... at him for being this way. Or for being dramatic. Or for acting like a baby. You know? Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I don't think Spielberg was trying to get us to make, to, like feel bad for him or like to humanize him too much but he was so ridiculous that he wasn't a human and the th- thing that's actually scary about this kind of abuse is that they are they're not mom like you are a person you're a multifaceted person like if you're going to show this kind of abuse you also have to show why someone would stay like this is so awful it's like, why would someone stick around for this? You know, like, yeah. like she sort of waits for someone to sort of help her get out. But like, I think it's also well, I feel like it makes it makes sense. He, there doesn't have to be those moments of him actually being kind for her to stay because she that's been her life since she's a child is constant abuse from an older man. So that's like a state of life that she that's the only state of life she knows. And also who's going to give her a job? It's 1920s and she's a. Black child, like a little girl. So, yeah. for sure. I, I, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like this needed such a subtle, nuanced hand. And that's Spielberg, at this point in his career, his career, just was thing. incapable of producing thing. that at this point. Um, which is really just for this particular story, it's, it, just, it just doesn't work um, for, for me. So, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Um, oh, okay. So, Celie, at this point, Celie's being portrayed by Whoopi Goldberg, by the way, who looks, I just feel like she's so cute in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she's not. so cute. Um, she suspects Neely is everyone calling her ugly. Every time they call her ugly, it just, oh my god, yeah, hurt my fucking heart. I was like, everybody oh, says she's like... fucking ugly. And I'm like, um, I don't know what the fuck y'all looking at, but okay. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, she suspects Nettie's me. dead because she has never received a letter. Um, obviously because uh, Sir is not letting her see the letters, but she doesn't know that. So Harpo then introduces... Harpo, who is... Yeah, I was like, wait, who the fuck is Harpo? Okay, Harpo is one of Sir's sons. uh, And he introduces his girlfriend, Sophia, to his father, Sophia being Oprah. she You know, Oprah. (laughs) Whole-ass Oprah. (laughs) And... I love this bitch before they break her. (laughs) So so sad. Um, she's pregnant. Uh, she's not taking any of Albert's shit. You know, he's being misogynistic as shit to her face. And she's like, Oh, like, you just want my son because you're out on your own, whatever. And she's like, I actually don't need your son because your son is not self sufficient. He's sitting here living with you, ain't done nothing. I just love him. So fuck you. I'm out. Um, they do get married um after her child's born um this wedding scene there was a moment in this scene for me where um Sophia's family or Albert walks over to like towards Sophia and three women sort of stand right in front of her and although I liked it the timing was comedic I was like why are you making that Look, I don't know if I, I, didn't, was like... I didn't really sense it was that funny. Just be, just knowing who Albert was, and like all these women, they know who he is too without really knowing him. They're like, "You're not coming near her." Um, yeah, which I I did like that moment. I just again just feel like you could have paced that where it was what it should have been instead of like, butch. Oh, and I okay. feel like there's just like little moments like that that were like supposed to be little comedic moments. I was like, why? <laughs> why Why put this pacing to it? Um, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, so they get married. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so they're married and uh, Albert is talking, talking to Harpo and, you know, Sophia is spirited and not going to take shit. Um, and Harpo's like, I don't know what to do about Sophia. As if, like, all those things are bad. <laughs> and <laughs> Albert is like, you need to beat her. <laughs> and then <laughs> Harpo uh, then also asks uh, uh, Celie what he should do. And then Celie also says, you should beat her. Yeah. And I was like, damn. Um, okay. Um, so he tries it. And the next scene, Sophia walks up to Celie and is like, you just told my husband to beat me. And you know I had to fight my father and all sorts of other people, and now you're don't you don't advise him to be hitting me. You should be hitting you should be hitting back your own man. Um. And then it's interesting because Celie does have this moment where she's like, "Well, you know, we'll be free in heaven," and she was like, "You need to you don't need to worry about heaven right now." Yeah, like Celie's just ready to die already because of her yeah. shit. <laughs> and Sophia's She's like, like bitch, you're still here! Enough! Which is also kind yeah. of like part of Celie's arc is... Because Celie's really just focused on surviving now. She's never really been able to live. She's not amongst the living. She is just like a wandering soul in her in her mind. So, And what did you think about that portrayal too? Because they do make her so quiet. And obviously... Uh, maybe we can talk about this progression later and and how that all worked out, but i I just thought again it was sort of a symbol of the one dimensional one dimensionalness is that a word is that she's almost childlike I'm like are you is there something wrong with you like, <laughs> is, like or like are you what it, it it's just so childlike that I'm like are you all here with us? Like... I mean, I feel like it makes sense, though, being stunted like that when you've been abused since childhood. Um, sure. So I I didn't really find issue with how, like, childlike she was for a lot of it. Um, and they did juxtapose that, like, clearly Nettie is the more dominant personality. Like earlier when they before she got kicked out she had said like you need to fight back like you need to tell these children what's what because they're rocking all over you and and like uh and Nettie hasn't even I don't even she hasn't even been abused by the father she left before he was actually able to like do anything is what she had said so it's Celie who's been abused by the father the entirety of her childhood and she's like, I'm not focused on that. I'm literally just trying to survive, is what she says to Nettie. So it's yeah. She has had no time to really actually progress in life. She's just like hella stunted, yeah. which is really sad. I, yeah, I see it. I I just felt like again a subtle hand. Yeah, a subtle hand. Here. And it's it was just too like, childish for me. Yeah, yeah. Because there's there's definitely could have been a lot more dimension to that childlike uh. Portrayal. mentality that she had for sure or like see it or i don't know even showing it like okay she's like this with him but in other spaces she's a fucking person like, yeah you know like yeah. like yeah um some way but yeah it just felt a little thin yeah for me and sophia um, actually does like after this because this is also being juxtaposed in a weird comedy moment where she hit Harpo back, so Harpo is like trying to explain to the dad that it wasn't Sophia that hit him because that's so embarrassing that she hit him back. But I'm like, that's this is terrifying that you did that in the first place just because a couple people told you to do that. And she does leave him. She yeah. is out, like good for she takes her. Children should <laughs> She does leave him during yeah. this point. So, um, and then one night, Sir brings Shug home and she's like sick. Shug Shug. And she's like, pass the fuck out. Um, I think she's just drunk. Yeah. Like, <laughs> she drunk. She acting a fool. She calls Celia ugly to her face. It's um, harsh. And then Albert's acting a fool, trying to make her breakfast and shit the next morning, which is a fail. Um, it's this whole again. This whole breakfast sequence was like, why the comedy? <laughs> why you you didn't need any of this? Like. Again, if you're trying to make something that's really harsh and awful have moments of love and beauty, fine. But not this Disney character throwing food on the wall, splattering shit. See, comedy. I was just like, what is the vibe here? Like, What are you doing? Yeah, uh, yeah. So then we get the gay bathtub scene. So, um, can we <laughs> Gay bathtub scene. Okay. Yeah. When, um, Shug is. Shug. Shug. Jesus Christ. Why do I keep saying Shug? Shug is in the bath. Um, Celie comes in and they're just kind of talking, I guess. She's like putting bubbles in the bathwater for her or whatever. Oh, right. Um, and that one. And this is kind of where Shug talks about her daddy issues. Um, uh, She's like, children's got to have a paw, and I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> like, or Celia's Se- 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 like, mm, I didn't, I could have been better off without mine, but okay. Um, yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, mm. but yeah, she- I completely disagree. <laughs> yeah, She starts crying though because clearly, like, she has issues with her dad. She's like, you know, he loves me, he just doesn't know he loves me. Uh, so to kind of comfort her, Sealy, uh is like brushing her hair, and they're like humming together because. They do also show several times that, like, even though, like, Celie does have, like, a lot of empathy for people and will go out of her way to, like, do little things for them to make them feel better. Um, So, yeah. And then yeah. Albert's dad shows up, roasts him for being a simp for Suge. Um, yeah, that took me a minute to figure out who the fuck that was. I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> now, Suge is basically living with them for a while. Um, Albert's pretty happy about it. So she started, they start building a whole ass juke joint for her to be able to sing in because she's a musician. Mm-hmm. So, um, they build it up and, um, then they have this whole juke joint scene where fine. Suge is singing, having a grand old time. Um, I didn't like how black men were actually positioned in this film, <laughs> like in this particular scene, oh. the black men are like ogling her, like, the wolf with those, like, bug eyes and cartoons. Like, again, <laughs> it just is so cartoony. They're, like, hanging off the ceiling, just, like, <gasps> like, oh at God. her. And I'm like, okay. Like... And then, like, saying all these <laughs> cringe pickup lines. Yeah, it was just, like, I don't like that. I just wish you had people acting like people in this movie, please, sir. Um, and not cartoon characters. Thank you. Um, so all this is happening, and then she's like, we're going to bring it down for a second, and starts to sing a song called uh, Miss Seely's Blues. Sister, you've been on my mind. Oh, sister, we're two of a kind, soul, sister, I'm keeping my eyes on you and I wrote that I like this and <laughs> I like this too well, this is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie yeah I this was the best for cause sure cause the sea of men um, like part so that it's just them two just almost too ridiculously just like like yeah I was like was how do you guys Moses? even know who Seely is <laughs> well plus it was just like and Q and they all moved and I was like come on guys that was hilarious like, we can't that was literally we can't hilarious. make this look a little more subtle here nope nope No, we cannot. All these, like, women that were making fun of Celie and being like, oh, it's Albert's maid. And just, like, (laughs) big bitches uh, suddenly are like, shut the fuck up because um, Suge takes the time to... She wrote the song, basically, for Celie and then um, sings it to her in front of everyone. And basically it tells Celie that she is special. And beautiful. And she is important. It's probably the first um, gift she's ever received in her entire life. <laughs> exactly. It's really a great scene. So, um, And then after that scene, Sophia comes in with a new man. Harpo falls off the roof um, again, which is the second time he's done this in this film. <laughs> which is just, again, one of those like running gags that you see in films, like in... Harry Potter where it's you know, Seamus keeps having things blow up in his face. Oh, right. I was like, is this is this the vibe of this movie? Like, I just don't get it. Um and so uh he drops in and uh Drops in Harpo and Sophia start dancing for a little bit, but Harpo's new girl gets upset about it. <laughs> they had and, to get the light skinned um, bitch in here. <laughs> I know I was like I'm okay with this. Not Whatever. to mention yeah. her voice. I was like, bitch, you are so annoying. I'm kidding. Oh, well, the voice, again, she was like, oh, well, you're just a heifer. Ha, <laughs> ha. Like, that's really how she said it. <laughs> I was like, I bitch. was like, I'm sorry. Are you doing voiceovers for the Rugrats? <laughs> like, what is this film? Is this r- a r- serious r- film r- or not? <laughs> like, Spielberg trying to be serious, and I'm just like, then be serious. Like... What are you like, doing? Who is this bitch? It, like, <laughs> it just was so much. Oh, again, cartoonish is really the word that is this film, uh, which is just not what I, 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 yeah, I really doubt Alice Walker wrote it. Like, that. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I have, I have some doubts as well. <laughs> Honestly, um, so, uh, breaks out into a fight, and even again. These little comedic timing things. The uh, musicians are just like, "Oh, time to go," <laughs> and like slowly, like quickly leaving because they're like, "Oh, this is going to get bad." And I was like, "Why? Why any of this? Why, why? Why any of this? Like the things that were chosen to be focused on in this film, just okay." Um, so big fight uh, happens, and Suge takes uh, Celia and is like, "Let's go!" And then they go back to the house, um, and they're playing dress up. Suge, uh, sort of, uh, I, I had forces, but it's like, she, it was like really against her will, um, to, to smile in the mirror, to look at herself, to see that she has a beautiful smile. Um, and yeah, they just start talking about, uh, sex and that, um, Suge asked Celia if she gets jealous that she sleeps with Albert and she's like, you like that? Like <laughs> she's like bitch, like, take him away. Like <laughs> yeah. And she's like you make it sound like he's um going to the bathroom on you and she's like well that's how it feels. That 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 was a good line. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay. That was that was good. <laughs> um because that that hurt my heart. Um and um they end up doing a little bit of kissing and then the uh camera just sort of Hands up. Fades to yeah. I was like, pans did up. Fuck? Did she show her? I think what that an they did. Was <laughs> yeah. I assume that. Um. Again, I really this. What this movie teaches me is that you need to read the source material. If you let white people, if you just look at white interpretations of black art, you're not actually getting it. You're not getting it at all. Um. Because I'm sure that this one. I mean, to be fair, it's not like Spielberg could have done a lot with this or gone as far as it probably went in the book. Um, it's 1985. It's, it's just wasn't going to happen in a, in a big movie like this. Um, but there's just, you just know there's so much missing from this interpretation. (laughs) Like there's just so much missing. Um, yeah, I think I got this on my book list this summer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Suge visits the preacher at the church. Um, That she seems to, and she seems to to know him. This is just setting up for a reveal at the very end. So, he ignores her the entire time. (laughs) Whatever. Uh, (laughs) It was obvious that that uh, was her dad during this scene. I did not get that until the end. I thought it was supposed to be a surprise. Oh. (laughs) I, I felt like that was supposed to be a surprise. Oh. Well, because she was talking about how her dad doesn't know that he loves her so then he she goes and she's trying to talk to him as if he's like a family member so I'm like that's the dad yeah I maybe I didn't get that because I was texting a little bit during the bathtub scene oh Um, okay because that's when she's like but to me it felt like a surprise okay it was not a surprise. (laughs) like oh this is dad I was like oh okay like I think it was supposed to be a little bit of a surprise. No, because then there's another scene where after she actually gets married to Grady, she, he's passing by and she's like, I'm married now. Like, yeah, I, I know. I thought they kept like setting this up. So at the very end, we were like, oh, who else could it be, Allison? Up? The man is I, I, I don't fuck. know. Again, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was surprised at the end. Okay? Maybe I'm a dumb, end. dumb, dummy. I don't fucking oh know, my God, but this is so I, funny. Th- I was surprised. <laughs> like, anyway, fine. You go. <laughs> done talking. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> okay, um, so Shug announces she's going back to Memphis. Seeley uh, tries to leave with her, but is caught by Albert and doesn't really end up escaping. Um, then we meet Millie, the devil. White lady in this movie. And this was so violent. I mean, this whole storyline with Sophia and Millie is like, just like shattering. It's just like horrible. It's shattering. But again, I feel like they... The comedy... Trying to make Millie too comedic. Yeah, the comedy came in, obviously, with the driving, which I'll explain in a second. But... She still, I still believed her as a very violent white woman, which, I mean, so we meet her because she's basically harassing Sophia and her kids because she's like, Oh, your kids are so cute. They're so cute. Oh my God. Which is like, we've all met that white lady who seems a little too obsessed with black kids and is like, Get your hands out my hair. Yes, because she sees them as, you know, little puppies as opposed to actual sentient human beings. Um, So she's just, like, fucking with her kids. And, I mean, and, of course, this is, like, annoying Sophia, but she's like, okay, whatever. Like, I'm not going to do anything. And then Millie asks Sophia if she'd like to be her maid. And Sophia's like, hell no. Um, Which is obviously crazy to say to a white woman um the husband is like the fuck did you say and like all the white people in this town I don't even know why they're in an all-white part of town right now but they are um all the white people in this town are freaking out they're like what the fuck did she say what did she say the husband slaps Sophia and then she punches him out um and then she because of that that she then gets like assaulted by a police officer and then arrested This is the other thing, too, that I'm like, I want to read this from the book. I need to read this scene from the book because this is this seems ridiculous that a black woman living in the South would do this. Yeah, it's just crazy. So but then this bitch, she goes to jail for eight years. Yeah. Eight years. She goes to jail for this. And then right after which this was confused, a little confusing to me. She immediately starts working for Millie as the maid. Um, I'm just like, so were you sold to her? Yeah, that's like, what, what I'm is... wondering. I was like, did they release her on some kind of worker's comp that you have to be Millie's maid now? I don't understand why she just didn't go home and be unemployed. Yeah, some, I don't know. But now she's... I don't know. It felt very like much like she was enslaved like she to was this woman. She was literally enslaved. I was like, why would you choose to work for Millie when you could just go home? But she doesn't. So it's Christmas time, by the way. Uh, Sophia, does so she gets like picked she's like in the car with Millie and Millie is driving she gets like a new car and she's driving like a maniac bitch does not know how to drive but she's like woohoo it's crazy she's teaching me how to drive and I'm like okay um then they go shopping Sophia runs into Seely at the grocery store corner store whatever and at this point Sophia she she's like dead inside she clearly has been injured while in jail too she can yeah her eye is her eyes fuck. Off in a different dimension and <laughs> she's she's like can't walk yeah she's struggling to walk it's just so sad yeah um, so she's having some issues Celie helps her get the groceries like because there's like this long ass list this white lady gave her and she's like let me just help you out here um and then Millie does tell Sophia afterwards that she's going to allow her to see her family on Christmas Which I'm like... I I have that in air quotes, too. Yeah, I was like, allow her. And I'm like, she's your maid. Like, slavery isn't a thing right now? I'm just, like, really confused. Yeah, again, this is something that I'm sure in the book is fucking explained explained. better. I'm just like, I need to know what is going on here. Yeah, So she goes, she does, they do end up driving to Celia or Sophia's, you know, old home with, like, her family and everything like that. She has, her kids were babies when she was imprisoned so now her kids are kind of grown um, so she's yeah. like meeting her kids for the first time again and and it's like a, a sad but like happy reunion for like two seconds and then you hear Millie like acting a fool outside because she cannot drive she cannot turn the car around to just drive out of there. And all the all these men are trying to like help her so that freaks her the fuck out even more that all these black men are like surrounding her. She's losing her mind. And then she starts yelling at them, being like, I was always good to you people. To people. I'm just I like I was like, You see them as actual pets, so you can fuck off <laughs> It's disgusting. Um but so Sophia comes out and she's like, Bitch, I'll have one of these men drive you home and she's like, I cannot be driving with some strange colored man she's like well then i'll have like my sister drive you home and she's like and then that's when you really see who she is though because she has this like pleasant goofy kind of persona but when Sophia's is trying to like get out of being the one to drive her home because she's been with her family for actual two seconds uh the switch is turned off and millie has this evil look on her face and she's like i don't know her either like implying you're driving me home and we're getting out of here, and they do. And again, I just feel like the editing, the like car slamming in the door, and then you just see her driving off, was like a comedic way to time it. And I was like, and they all like kind of no. slowly wave as she like leaves because they're they're all like, what the fuck was that? Like that was the weirdest thing I've ever witnessed, and it was it's the weirdest just... thing you probably would ever witness like you get to see your mom for five minutes and then the woman the white woman outside starts having an actual panic attack for no reason so she has to go like think of this woman compared to again in 12 years a slave the white woman in that was who's that played by that's um Uh, that actress from uh paulson something yeah Um, she's from the american horror story and stuff yeah like the actual terror like there's there's no if ands or buts about the terror. There's no goofy, well, oh, well, she doesn't know what she's doing. Like, she, she's just a white person. Like, there's such an intentional, I know I own you. And this is like a. Like, <laughs> I mean, I, she kind of acted like that, but I felt like that moment when she does say, like, I don't know her either. And it's, it's very, like, said straight to her. I feel like that's kind of like a way to show you that white women have, like, this mask, you know, in this persona that they're exuding. I love the colored people, blah, 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 until they cross me, and I then that's when I will exert my privilege. Yeah, so I still, and I, kind I, of I think that was a good moment, but I think this, I mean, this is all we get of Miss Millie. Like, it's just this scene, yeah. like, this little bit, and I just think overall this performance just... <laughs> yeah. Again, what is the tone? Yeah. What tone are we trying to do here? excuse um, me. Okay. So all that happens and now we're back at with Seely and um uh Shig-Avery shows back up with um her new husband. Uh both Seely and Albert are not happy about it. They're like, Oh, we have colds. Oh no, I don't know if you can stay. But <laughs> she ends up <laughs> staying. Um uh the new husband and Albert end up sort of getting along they're laughing in the kitchen like fucking fools and it just again this one dimensional just like absolute fools they're breaking eggs on each other's faces and i was like dudes they're drunk don't even do this to each other so i'm a little exactly i was like why are these so cartoony i don't it's just not right it's just not good and um anyway so uh while they're acting a fool uh, Shug sees that the mail's come so she and she's waiting for something from the mailman so she goes out to get the mail and while she's there she sees that there's a letter from Nettie so she grabs Celie takes her upstairs and they open the letter which is postmarked Africa <laughs> not a country <laughs> just Africa <laughs> She lives in the whole continent, guys. Yeah, you wouldn't believe Doesn't matter how well traveled Nettie is at this point. Oh God, I saw that. Was like, mm, why, why? Um, this letter was written very strangely. Um, yeah, there was a there was a lot of backstory for someone writing a letter. <laughs> someone writing a letter. Someone who's been writing letters for ten years. Screenwriter was like, we got to explain all this shit. I was like. <laughs> like um so this is the letter like where we she have assumed to, a lot like, of this happened this is the letter where she decides to write her thesis statement over the other letters that she's <laughs> <said>. uh, honestly <laughs> she's like there's so much to tell you from all the other letters I've said like it was I don't know anyway but point is that she's been sending letters for all this fucking time and she's living somewhere on the continent of Africa and basically what happened is is that she, Got hooked up with the preacher and his uh, and the preacher's wife, who adopted or bought I don't know, Seely's um, children. So she gets hooked up with them, and then they all are going on a mission trip to Africa, set up schools, set up churches, you know, doing the quote unquote Lord's work, not colonial at all. Um, and and it seems magical. Yeah, but- they're frolicking with the giraffes giraffes and you know what the thing is I I didn't hate it that much you know obviously it's like (laughs) problematic but I also felt like well is this isn't this Seely's imagined ideas of what you know her her sister's doing rather than an actual this is what's happening over with Nettie over here I felt like not all so of the flashes of thought, to during the letters though seemed like that was the case sure sure i thought maybe but let's go with that was... for the frolicking with the giraffe though because that <laughs> okay <laughs> cuz it seems less awful that way <laughs> but um she's in africa having a great time she her children are doing great it's dope and then these road road builders come by and are like oh We decided we're building a road here, so we're knocking all this shit down. And the wife is so upset that she dies. (laughs) Which and... I feel like was a more common problem back in the day or something. Because there's so many like old movies or old books that are like, oh, she died of a broken heart. Or she died from know. exhaustion. She died because she was emotionally overwhelmed. And I was like, if that was the case, there would be a lot more dead bitches in this world, okay, if that was what was <laughs> happening. <laughs> so what did they actually have, y'all? We're just that y'all so... just wrote off as like, oh, well. Women are emotional. Sometimes they get so emotional they fucking die. They just die. (laughs) They just pass away. Like due to personal reasons, they've decided to pass away. So (laughs) just like, what do you mean? They just like write up their letters of resignation to life and just are like, I am overwhelmed, so I am out. Yeah. Bye. Signed a woman because we're the only ones that can do this. It's (laughs) you (laughs) know. (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, these road builders come, knock down all the shit, she's dead, and then uh basically she's like, Hey, I'm coming home. Or I'm trying to come home. There's some issues with immigration because it's like, are these children African? Are they African American? Who can tell? Who knows? Apparently not the American government. So um she's basically like, We're coming home. Seely is uh or Albert asks Seely to shave him again years later so we're getting sort of like a parallel moment here she's sharpening her knife uh, this scene was very strange to me um, yeah. because between her preparing to shave him and it seems like she's gonna kill him is really yeah, the setup building up. Um, and shook for some reason is somewhere else and then gets I don't a know sixth sense that- yeah some spider senses spidey senses tell her that she needs to run to the house and so she starts running to the house and this is being juxtaposed with a scene in again quote-unquote just africa where the other uh the sister and um the children are and they're watching this like quote-unquote african ceremony of some sort that has like i don't know i'm assuming this is some reference to a scarring ceremony which i feel like is a very, although that is a thing, it's one of those things that, like, white people love to talk about, because they're like, oh my god, they're such savage. Yeah, like, the drums <laughs> are going, and it's like, I wrote like, nice tension building, but what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, like, it's, why does should know that Seal, uh, Sealy's about to kill someone. And what is this? What does this have to do with the ritual that's happening, like, with her kids right now? It's it's really, they, they have no relationship to each other. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but, but yeah, but yeah, I, Sealy, it's I mean, just but is ready it's just white as fuck. It's just white as fuck. Yeah, Sealy's ready to kill this man, though, because, like, she's, they found all the letters. So she's been reading all the letters for, like, the last. Like, for, like, the last few months. And, like, as she reads oh, right. the letters, I guess she's getting, like, more and more, like, confident and emboldened to, like, get the fuck out of there. Because she knows her right. sister's alive now, whereas before she just had assumed bitch was dead. Uh-huh. Um, So I'm like, maybe that's why Suge knows. Because Suge knows that she's been reading the letters. And she's like, oh, well, maybe she's, like, now that she knows her sister's alive, she just is going to kill this motherfucker. I don't know. Um, Suge runs up and is like... Grabs her hand at the very last minute before I guess she was gonna fucking yeah. kill him, and um, she's like, "That looks like a dull blade." And and I guess saves Albert for some fucking reason um, because she's been fucking Albert for like years. I know, it's it's fucking so weird. I'm like, "You're not um, that great a person either." <laughs> you know, she's she's really not. So like, she's not um, perfect, which I'm like, you know, not all characters need to be perfect. But I'm like, how are you sleeping with the man? that's like. Constantly abusing your friend. I don't know. It's a little strange. New scene. Shug tells Celie that she's going back to Memphis with her man. With her new man. And Celie, you're coming too. You're coming with me, bitch. And uh, she's like sounds like a fucking plan. And, and um, they're all at dinner. And this is the moment where Celie stands up for herself. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. What did you think of this scene, <laughs> Yeah. <Yo. laughs> well, I mean, it's always quite satisfying to see, like, for the at this point in the film when someone's just been, like, walked all over the entirety of the film and they finally stand up for themselves. It's always kind of like, finally, like, yeah, get him, drag him. It's like, I mean, but <laughs> it was also a little s- strange, though. I was like, it's just, like, during this family yeah. dinner and everybody's kind of, like, just laughing at – her roast the fuck out of Albert. Um, the severity of it kind of gets undercut a few times, but then she literally grabs a knife and holds it to his throat. So I was like, "Damn, okay, we're back." This ro- this is a roller coaster of a fucking know, dinner. This whole scene felt messy, messy, messy. It just felt so. But messy. But then Sophia magically awakens because, like, during this whole dinner, she is dead inside. She's confused. Exactly. She seems like. She has, like, literal, like, dementia or something at this point. Yeah, I thought, like, maybe she had been beaten so hard that her, her, you know, had brain damage. Yeah, that's what Um, I assumed, especially since, like, what the eye thing or the fact that the uh, cop had hit her over the head so hard. Um, maybe that had something to do with that. But no, Seeley C- just standing up and calling him a no good dirty motherfucker um, somehow awakens Sophia and she starts laughing and she's like, suddenly okay? Um, and back to her old self and she's like, think about the change around here. And I'm just like, I really, I wanted to like this scene, but it just wasn't, good. <laughs> it just wasn't paced well. Yeah, it, was paced it wasn't written well. A bit strangely, but I, it did still give me like a, you know, a good feeling in terms of like, finally, she's getting the fuck out of there. Finally, she's getting up for herself. I just, again, subtlety is just not what happened in this movie. And for something like this to finally like, okay, I'm going to stand up to my abuser. I feel like it should have just been more of a subtle growing um, versus it felt like all the growth for her basically happened with the letter. She got the letter, started reading was like, okay, I'm going to get the fuck out. And started, And that's where she built all the confidence. And that was like five minutes. Of an hour and a half fucking film. I mean, I think that she I was, was like, also maybe slowly getting it with uh, Suge being around. Um, her teaching a her bit. to kind of love herself. And then and then when she got Nettie's letters, she that then propelled her to then like, okay, now that I, you know, somewhat have respect for myself, I now have something else to live for too and I can like get the fuck out of here. Um, yeah, I just wish this had built. Yeah, to said But yeah, to to your point Better. of uh, no subtlety, she like curses him. She says, she says, you nothing will work out for you until you like do right by me. And then he's then that's when uh, I've heard this line before, where he's like, you're black, you're poor, you're a woman, you're nothing at all, <laughs> you're ugly. Like, it was, yeah, yeah, it was a ugh. yeah, but she does like, get the fuck out. The not subtlety thing, and that's what was weird about. Um, the Billy whatever film it made me think of that line. You hate her because she's <laughs> strong and beautiful and black. Like it just is like. Can we get some subtlety here? Can we just get some writing that's not like but that's not so on the nose, if you exactly. will? Exactly. And that was the whole thing with all the speeches at the dinner table. I was like, I don't know. This is it's what you want a woman to say when she's leaving. Yeah. But this ain't it. This this ain't it. I'll, yeah, but, um, I'll. so she does, she hops on a uh, little car. Grady and Shug and Sealy are out. He's chasing after them, like, you'll be back, but she ain't come back. Why the fuck she come back? Why so the fuck she come back? You know, it's been a while, I guess, and um obviously the house has gone to shit. Albert's not okay. He a mess. He an alcoholic. Dead on the ground. Good. Like, I mean, he's not Fine. dead. He, you know, but, um, Sophia and Harpo are back together, running the juke joint, like down the road, I guess I guess they're not beating each yeah, other so. which I didn't like obviously is problematic. I didn't hate out of the relationships here I didn't hate it because she did leave him when he hit her the first time, and he and two people did tell him to hit her before he like he was kind of like he's obviously not the same as his dad, is what I'm saying. Um, I agree, yeah. And, you know, they spend time to get apart with other people, but always remained cordial, it seems, like, with their kids. You know? Yeah. So it seemed as, as respectful as any man could possibly be in this, in this movie, I guess. I don't know, honestly. <laughs> uh, the dad dies. So, Ceely and Nettie's dad dies. There's a funeral. We see Celie come back from wherever the fuck she was wearing a dope ass dress and gloves mm-hmm. for the funeral. I don't know where she got money. I don't know what the hell happened. Doesn't I mean, really matter. Shug, they, we heard sugar on the radio earlier. So she's probably making it big in Memphis and maybe like just gives them, just takes care yeah, of silly. Yeah. Of yeah. Um, financially. I bet silly takes care of her otherwise. So yeah. um, anyway, the, uh, she, he dies. She goes back for the funeral. Um, and she sees the, uh, wife of her father, and the way that he dies is disgusting. Um, she was like, how does he die? And then the wife says, on top of me, and I was like, ew. ew. Um. And he has a young kid. How old was that motherfucker? I know, this shit is wild, but, um, but- It also comes out that I guess it wasn't incest because the dad uh, actually didn't marry um, Celia's mother until two years after Celia was born. Because her original, her real father was lynched. Yeah. Which they just kind of casually drop that and then... Threw that in there. Don't really talk about the circumstances of that. But the land and the house and the store that he owned, I guess he never actually owned. It was actually all belonged to uh, her mother. And he just sort of took it over. But now that he's gone, it passes to her. So now she has her own house, her own land, and her own store. So she turns the store into a, what, tailor shop? Yeah. And is making making pants pants and having a grand old time doing that. Um... Then we have this scene of Suge, she's, t- she's singing at the juke joint, and while she's singing, she hears the church on the other side of the river or lake or whatever, um, just, you know, going to town, fun gospel music, great. Mm-hmm. Suge decides, we're done singing here at this juke joint, and leads the entire population of the juke joint to the church, and was like, a, fuck you on your solo. This is my solo. a parade of and, singing. <laughs> yeah, per, like literally a parade into the church, starts singing. Everybody's into it, um, though. The, the music was, it was it. was, it was it hitting. Was it. it was hitting. Um, and then she hugs uh, the preacher and is like, see sinners, God loves sinners too, or something like that. And the dad embraces her. Finally, so yeah. Um, That's why I thought it was a surprise, because she was like, daddy. And she'd never called him dad before. I think it was supposed to be a surprise, but anyway. I, you see, um, you're still on the... It's a, who else could it have been? <laughs> I didn't know. I don't know. I did really um, like this scene, though. I just thought it was so, like, obviously more subtle, because she's... She, I think we they have, like, two interactions in the movie before this one. So it's just like, their third interaction. But he's had no... Nothing about her is he reacting to except for the first time when she goes up to him and she's talking to him you see him turn away and he's like in tears though like he turns away uh, and you yeah. don't see and so to her he's like she doesn't see his reaction but he's like crying which is how I like assumed yeah that's the dad because who else would be crying and then like I don't <laughs> know it could have been anyone okay, it could have been know. anyone it could have been <laughs> anyone but um, so they're reunited, and um, Celie is sitting up on her porch, and then up from the field comes Nettie, and they embrace, and Nettie introduces Celie to um, Adam and Olivia, her children, who don't speak English. But I did like this scene. I was like, oh, yeah. good. Because when and she yells Adam at her, she's a, like, Nettie! <laughs> that was yeah. so sweet. So Um, And then we have this weird last shot of Albert where I'm like, why? Well, because, Allison, because you went through the last part of the movie so quickly, Albert's the one that got them back in the U.S. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, He gets a letter from, like, the U.S. immigration people or something. And then there's, like, a really subtle, like, a really quick scene of him in an office talking to some dude. And then, like, it's supposed to be some... Department of whatever the fuck, so you can assume that like he paid to get them, like into the U.S. and then that was him finally doing right by Nettie as she told him um, he needed to do to be free of the curse that is his life right now. Since she interesting, left. yeah. Um, okay. Do I like that he is the one that got them into the U.S. Eh. I'm like, I feel like he, I was like, he seemed actually afraid of that curse. So he might very well have just done it because he's afraid of the curse and doesn't actually understand that he did anything wrong in the way that he treated her, her entire life. But, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. Cause I did, I did miss that. I don't know how I missed that, but. It was a really um, quick scene, like during, it was like overlaying the scene of, Shug like in her performance at the church as they're like, God trying to tell you something, (laughs) which, Uh, oh, okay gotcha, Um, which was also a nice touch having that the song I thought was very obviously on the nose. But I still liked that part where she's like just straight up singing and the whole choir is saying God is trying to tell you something clearly for the preacher guy. And he's like, okay yeah, I can't I can't ignore this sign. (laughs) So that was that movie. Um. Yeah, again, I think the big lesson of this is if if you're gonna watch movies adapted by white people, or really any media adapted by white people, um, you need to read the source material on your own, um, to really know what the fuck is going on and, and what was supposed to be happening here, because, uh, you know, this wasn't done with an Afrocentric lens. I mean, it's just like, I really think Spielberg was just the wrong person to direct this. Like, if you're going to have a white person direct, there's other more serious, like, this was not the film to be playing fast and loose and trying to figure out if you can be a serious director or not. Like, this is a, this is a black literature classic. Um, This is going to be a lot to a lot of black people. Um, And to see it sort of portrayed in this very bouncy, cartoonish way um, is really disappointing. Um, I can see why people were upset and disappointed. Um, um, but again, I would rather it exist than not exist. Um, but you need to read the source material. You know, I haven't watched the musical. Um, but you know, when media like this is interpreted by whiteness, I mean, it's just such a big difference between a black director, even a Black Panther. What's, what's great about having black directors, um, that have a history and language um, of black performance and literature um, is that you can, if you know what you're looking for, you can watch black Panther. And you know what he's read. You know, you know, he's read some Alex Haley and you know, he's read some Du Bois and you know, he's read, um, you know, probably some Marcus Garvey, you know, like you, you can tell with the way that it's in there. Um, In this it's it's like did you read anything uh besides just the source material um because I don't I don't see it so yeah I think um I I think this can be included in you know black cinema um you know if we're gonna be defining as you know what is that category anyway um but it's black cinema filtered through a white line uh, but yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, make sure to check us out on Instagram. We'd love to hear some of your feedback. Um, uh, our Instagram and Twitter is mixed review underscore pod. Um, and thanks for coming to the movies with us. Bye. Bye.